This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Shooter ready. Stand by. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio. We are your Second Amendment community. Interviews, product reviews, politics, trivia. Gun Owners Radio has it all and more. Check us out at gunownersradio.com and tune in every week to hear Dave Stahl, Michael Schwartz, and all our guests talk about everything Second Amendment. Here we go. All right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, do you know Americans stop or prevent a violent crime one to three million times per year with a gun? That's right. Studies from Florida State, the CDC, the Crime Prevention Research Center, they show that guns are used to protect life 25 times more often than when they are used to take lives. 25 times. And that estimate is a tad on the low side. But if you believe that good people deserve the best tools to defend themselves and their families, then you should be a member of San Diego County Gun Owners. San Diego County Gun Owners makes it easy to connect with the community that's a fighting to defend and restore your Second Amendment rights. Become a member today. It's only 10 bucks. Go to sdcgo.org slash join to become a member today. Buy your gun prom tickets. Gun prom September 16th, which is coming up, but we got to stop selling tickets on September 1st, and it's August 1st here in about five minutes. So I'm doing, uh, I'm doing a little quick math in my head, and that means uh, we only have about a month. Very good. So go to Gun Prom. Okay, I'm going to do it Monday. <laughs> do it today. Leave me alone. Gunprom.com. G-U-N-P-R-O-M. Right. Go to Gunprom.com. Okay. Take so, advantage of the early the early bird special, right. Dave. Yeah, I'm doing it. 99 bucks for a ticket, and you can come party with me and Super Dave and the lovely Alicia. And I think we got some tables left. We have tables, we have seats, we have all kinds of stuff left. But uh, we need you to we need we need you to show up. It's we're honestly, I'll tell you, um, if you're listening, and you haven't bought a ticket, we need you to do it right now. Um, we're a little uh, running a little behind. You say that every year. No, this time I mean it though. No, no, this no, time it's the truth. That, no, you say that, and then all of a sudden we got too many people. <clears throat> well, I get so San Diego is notorious for you know. Hey, we're all gonna wait yeah. till the last minute. Well, you are in San Diego, right? So, so I found a lady do today that. that makes custom. Cowboy hats. Oh. So what I'm going to do is have her get me a cowboy hat. Yeah. And I'm going to show it to Rich. Yeah. And what we're going to do is those will be raffle prizes. Mm. If you want a custom cowboy hat, you give her a certificate, and then she'll make that hat to whatever you want. Wow. Wouldn't that be awesome. cool? That would be cool. I think so. How'd you meet her? Uh, she was on TV this morning. <clears throat> oh, cool. Oh, on uh, KUSI. Yeah. You know me. I just talk to everybody. I know. So I says, what do you do? Seriously, hanging out in that break room. Will people, is that the best? Yeah, that's great. I, I met Bill Murray's brother once. Did you? I just ran I don't know into why that was cool, but it was cool. um, uh, Coriel, Coriel, the coach for the Chargers. Superman's dad? Oh no, okay. his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Don Coriel. Oh wow. Oh he, yeah, yeah. He got inducted, so I met her, and that was really cool. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, I got a little uh, pro tip for everybody. Oh, what do you have? I went to uh, I went to uh, the pharmacy over. there. Because I had to get some. Uh, Do we want some eye drops? No, it's not a big deal. I had to get some eye drops um, for my my eyes. My eyes are are for some reason really dry. <laughs> so, um, pro tip. And so I, you know, it was over the weekend. So I wanted a twenty four seven pharmacy. So I went to the hospital because their pharmacy is twenty four seven. 
Pro tip for everybody who carries. <laughs> don't go in through the ER door. The most ridiculous thing in the world, the ER door has security guards, and I'm doing the little air quotes, mm-hmm. because they are not security, nor are they guarding anything. They're not even armed. They're just harassing. Now, they're, they're wonderful people. I'm not making fun of that profession. I'm certainly not denigrating them as people. They're wonderful people. But the hospital is completely and totally delusional. They actually believe that they are security guards. They're not. They're professionally uh, you know, paid professional crime witnesses. That's all they are. Sure. They, they, don't, they can't actually do it. If you're not armed, you're not securing anything. I cannot wait for you're the rest guarding. of this story. The rest of the story is this. Whatever ER you go to, if you ever go to the hospital, you know, whatever, um, and uh, just, just walk about 50 feet to the left or the right, go in the front door. There are no security guards there. <laughs> now, does that make any sense at all? I mean, they're absolutely, it's completely laughable. It's completely laughable that they have unarmed security guards. This is not just one ER, too. This is a trend. If you go, now, if you go to an ER and you know for a fact that every door is secure and they're all armed, then okay, I'm not talking about that. But every hospital I've been to, the ER has security guards. No other doors have security guards. And the security guards are in security guards in name only because they're not armed. That is so funny. I've so never even thought of that. Walk 50 feet around to the left or the right, uh, depending, and go through the front door if you're armed, if, you're, yeah. if you have your CCW. You definitely want to carry with your, if you're going into a hospital. Say you're going to visit somebody yeah. or something like that uh, because there's no security. Did they, they search just, you? Th- yeah. Well, they wand you and search. In the emergency room, they do, not for the general entrance. So, oh, 50 feet to the left. But, but sir, it's, it's 50 feet. Like, it, it's not even, there's no other door. I mean, you go from the ER to the front door, there's no security. Wait a minute. You made their day? What do you mean? Well, were you carrying? I, 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 well, I'm not going to answer that question. Because if you no. were, no, because if you were, then you must have made their night. Because they haven't had that much excitement in days. Oh, no, 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 no. They didn't search me. No, I knew there was security. <laughs> uh, you just go through the front door, though. You don't go through the I parked in the ER section. I'm like, eh, wait a minute. What if I just go around? You just go around. That is so You just funny. go around. It's yeah. ridiculous. So the the medical industry is completely delusional. Yeah, it does um, sound like a mic drop. It's it's so ridiculous. It's, it's a bunch of dumb bureaucrats who don't know what the hell is going on. You know, doctors are fine. Nurses are great. You know the security guards that are hired to be there are fantastic people. It, it's it's the it's the kabuki it's the theater. rules. Yeah, it's the stupid. They, they're completely they're not doing anything for safety. If you want your facility to be safe, number one, you need to get armed guards. Number two, you need to allow uh, people who are are legally armed to be able to defend themselves when they're on your in, in your in your facility. It's just it's 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 math. It's it's just simple math. And the people who have CCWs are sane-trained, law-abiding. Uh, they're the safest people in society. They actually commit fewer crimes than police officers. Um, so uh, that's what you want to do. In the meantime, you know, uh, their their bureaucratic arrogance is pretty easy to, to fool. You just kind of walk, like I said, 50 feet around to the front door and just use the front door. Um, absolute, complete, and total silliness. So that's my pro tip of the day. I love the Kabuki Theater. Yeah, it really is. That is hilarious. It really is. It's so, so silly. Um, eight, Summer Fling. How did it go? Alicia, did you have fun? I did. Yeah. It was fantastic, yeah. I liked, I liked the outdoors. Yeah. that's yeah. A, that's What a nice yeah. view, isn't it? Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. We did missed, you go? Where we were missed, you? We missed you, Dave. When, he, was, oh. he was doing good things. I did message him to check on you. What was I doing? You were helping somebody to buy something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I took a Marine down to a girl mm-hmm. 
down to Motor World. She was buying a uh, a motorcycle. Oh wow! And I do a safety training out at Miramar, mm-hmm. and I give my name out and phone number and all that stuff. And she took me up on it, and she nice. wanted a motorcycle. And she buy? Yeah, I got her a screaming deal on a nice little Rebel three hundred. So. She's thrilled to death, and she took pictures and sent them to me and everything. Does she have a little side cart? Nope. Nope. Just a little. Mo- <laughs> I was going to say, I want to ride. Is she uh, coming with a free puppy? <laughs> no. You wouldn't fit in a side car. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm just being, I'll just be in trouble. I'll just, I'll just straddle the top of it. You would look good, though. With so, a, yeah. So, yeah. Alicia. See, Alicia has figured it out. She, she's figured everything out. If there's something that I need. She's to a mom. Attend. Moms have it all figured out. She will call. She texted me. She goes, yeah. "Hello, where are you?" <laughs> and I went, uh, "Motor World." She goes, "Well, you're supposed to be here." And I'm, "Oh shit, shit, shit!" <laughs> so it's helpful that she. Oh, you can say that. You can say that. <laughs> oh, anyway, so oh, I can't say that. No, I can't say that. No. Did you hit the button? Good man. <laughs> Yeah, the button. Anyway, so it was Summer Fling was fantastic. So, well, Fun was that by all. What was we it? We had a uh, it was it was a nice little cocktail hour. Every summer we uh, replace the three meetings. You know, we have three uh, monthly meetings uh, with one event, and the Summer Fling was at the Bally High down oh, off of right. Shelter Island. And mm-hmm. it was a beautiful view, and the food yeah. was good, and fun was had by all. And somebody won a gun. I forget who won a gun. But somebody won a gun. They had a, a pistol. And uh, anyway, thank you all for attending. And then, of course, next we're going to have Violence of Mind author Verg Freeborn. All right, right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, if you own a gun in California, you should have an attorney that specializes in California gun laws on your speed dial. Because if you ever have legal matters that involve firearms, you need California's firearm lawyer, John Dillon. Especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. Our trusted firearms attorney is John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Put his name on your phone right now. 760-642-7150. That's John Dillon, California firearms lawyer. 760-642-7150. All right. Our first guest is Varg Freeborn, self-defense and gunfight instructor, as well as a lethal force educator, author, and fitness coach. Varg's insights into violence and inform- are, are informed by his experience being immersed in it for half his life. How are you, Varg? Uh, good, good. How are you? Good, good, good. Now, did I, I pronounce your name correctly, right? Varg Freeborn. Varg, yes, that's that's correct, yep. Excellent, excellent. Well, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so your book is called Violence of Mind. Why would a, let's say, a, a new gun owner, why would a new gun owner uh, want to want to read your book? What would they take away from it? Uh, well, I think the first uh, overarching uh, lesson the book is going to give is going to be based on common sense and preserving yourself mainly through avoidance and ways to just not get into trouble in the first place. So I think that's probably the most important part. Um, but then transferring over to a situation where it's unavoidable, there are very clear guidelines for how to achieve the 
the skills and the equipment and the things that you are going to need, especially the mindset to persevere and, and win in a confrontation that's unavoidable. Now, when you say uh, av- avoid getting into trouble, are you, are you you're saying uh, knowing the law so you do things legally, or are you saying uh, behaving in such a way that, that you don't uh, get into a situation that escalates to something physical, or go into a little bit more depth on that? I think it's definitely both. Um, understanding the laws in which, you know, the, the area in which you're operating is is probably the number one thing you need to do, if you're, especially if you're going to carry a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to understand the laws and how they work where you're at. Do you have stand your ground? Do you not have stand your ground? Do you have castle doctrine? All of these things are very important to the outcome of a confrontation. If you have one and if you know those laws beforehand, you can set yourself up with your with your training and your decisions to stay within those guidelines and, and increase your chances of winning. So that's important, but also common sense behavior and, you know, self-control. I push self-control, you know, very heavily throughout the book. Um, and I think that self-control is a mark of a professional. And if you're going to carry a weapon and you're going to defend yourself, you should be as professional as you can be about it. Um, that's going to, probably guarantee your your chances much more than any other action uh so i think both of those is you know that that would be the synopsis of of both of those ideas i i, I gotta tell you that that is a it, i think that's a great message I'm, I'm seeing more and more uh you know experts subject matter experts when it comes to self-defense mma firearms uh talk about that that very thing and and uh i think that it seems to be the opposite. I think people think they're a tough guy if they confront. When in reality, it's the it takes toughness to not confront, and it takes wisdom to understand that I, I don't want to get it. You know, I don't want to get into a, a you know a tangle with this person. I have no idea what they know. I have no idea what they're uh, capable of, and uh, you know this this pride thing. Uh, you know, gets a hold of people and, and gets them into real trouble. And I, I really think, you know, the real man, you know, if you, the, the real masculinity, the real, uh, uh, you know, um, tough guy um, walks away um, when, when, he's, when he's able to or, you know, talks, talks his way out of it, walks away, doesn't escalate. And I think that that message is extremely important. Yeah, I think it is. And, and I mean, no one's advocating on my end that you should, uh, you know, let people roll you over in every circumstance. Now, that's not, you know, that's not what we're pushing. But Not even close. No, you're exactly right. Not even close to that. Exactly. Yeah, that's having the discernment to tell when it's when it's a time to stand your ground and, and, and hold your position and when it's time to let something pass because it's insignificant. It's not going to affect your life in the long term. Yeah, and I th- so let's talk about the difference there. I think the difference is, um, you know, hey, you cut me off, you're a jerk, I want to fight. No, walk away. Um, you know, hey, give me your wallet, or uh, or I'll, or I'm gonna, you know, hit you and stab you. Okay, it's it's time to, you know, uh, d- defend myself. Or you know what I mean? Isn't that? I mean, that's mm-hmm. is that is that kind of well, maybe 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 you do a better job of explaining what's the difference between. You know, not letting yourself getting rolled over and making the decision to uh, you know walk away from something that that, that won't affect your well, life. Well, the 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 simple litmus test for me is you know if I was able to walk away from this confrontation right now, mm-hmm. would it 
would it not affect my life? And within a few hours, this person would fade off into the depth of my dark memory and I would forget them and it wouldn't affect me at all. If that's the case, then obviously avoid it. But if there's some lasting effect to allowing this thing to happen to me, as in I'm being threatened physically or my loved ones are being threatened physically or I might be hurt in this confrontation even if I comply, those types of things, if I see that there is a possibility even of lasting effects on my life that could be detrimental, then that begins to be something where we talk about, okay, we're going to stand our ground and we're going to use our skills and our equipment to manage this situation. That's interesting. And how do people how do people acquire those skills? Well, uh, the good thing about the, this country right now is uh, firearms training is is like a smorgasbord out there. I mean, it's 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 absolutely available, and there are people from so many different walks of life that have seen different parts of the real violence animal and have experience and can teach you. I can I come from the criminal violence background. And I have a vast amount of experience there, plus, you know, coming through law enforcement training that, uh, that I was privy to. And then you've got guys out there that are lifelong uh, law enforcement or SWAT. you got guys coming back from the GWAT, the War on Terror. 20 years of that has produced warriors that have lots of experience in different ways. So all these guys are out there putting on great classes, great, great courses. And you can go, and it's, you know, fairly affordable to go out and just acquire a little bit of skill that could put you that much farther ahead in both safety and also being actually capable of doing something. What about the, what about the part, what about the, uh, not so much the marksmanship and not so much the, you know, skill with a firearm. Um, what about the other part? What about the deescalating part? And what about the, you know, avoidance part? How do you, how do you acquire that skill or where do, where does somebody learn, learn, you know, how, how to do that? Well, and that's a little less available, but I've personally been pushing to, to make that more. I, that's more of my focus now. There's plenty of guys out there that can take you out to the range and teach you how to shoot, yeah. and I don't think that that's the best use of my time anymore as an instructor, so I do less of that and more of uh, mindset and confrontation management and self-control work and things like that. Uh, so there's people like me that are writing books and doing you know talks and courses out there and there's also, um, you know, a, a whole there's a whole host of uh, writers out there that are, you know, putting out pretty decent books. You know, Tim Larkin's got some stuff out there. It's decent. You know, there's uh, there's a lot of different sources that you can start to kind of ascertain that that mindset, that that framing your mind in a certain way that you you start to think in this way rather than just, you know, trying to wing it. You start to have some kind of a plan, some some kind of a stuff. You know, recognizing the situation and then starting to have a decision-making process, a decision-making tree, you know, and, and there's a lot of different sources like like my book. And, you know, and I also have the second book, Beyond Uda, which goes deeper into that, too. Um, and that and those are good sources for that. Beyond uh, Uda, which you're, you're talking about the Uda loop, right? Yes. What yes, Can you that, tell that, people, what does Uda stand for? Uh, it, it was created by... Uh, Lieutenant Colonel John Boyd of the Air Force. Uh, he began work on that, I think, I believe in the 60s, and worked on it all the way up through the 90s. And um, he developed it as the Observe, Orient, Decide, Act loop. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but then he took it way beyond that, and then he began to focus on the orientation part of it because that's really what you bring to the fight. That's your 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 cultural background, your value system, your experiences, your confidence. These are all the things that that cause you to make the decisions that you make. And those are manipulatable. It just takes more time to do that. So when you when you focus on those, on that part of the loop, then you have this much better uh, this foundation to make decisions from. And I think that's, that's what I took from it. Uh, and I did a little bit of work with Chet Richards, who worked with Boyd on that concept. And Chet agreed with, with me on, on my work with it that uh, taking the orientation part of it and really focusing on that and building that foundation for decision-making is what makes the other parts of that loop work efficiently. Hey, Varg, uh, Alicia's got a question for you. Varg, I have a question yeah. for you. Listen, listening to everything that you're sharing and your perspective, I, I can't help but You know, I did a little bit of research on you before we brought you on, and I would love for you, if you wouldn't mind, sharing a little bit about a situation that happened to you when you were 19 because, I, you know, I, I can't help but know that, uh, that your background is, has a heavy influence on everything that you're doing now. Yeah, the, the short, short version of it, uh, when I was 18, um, I was basically put into a self-defense situation. Because I was by myself, and there was three older, larger individuals that were uh, became aggressive with me. I used a knife in that defense situation, and uh, that, that did not go well for me in court. At 19, I was convicted and sent to prison. And uh, as a teenager, I went to adult penitentiary, and I served five years. After that, I pursued my, my restoration of my rights, was granted a restoration of my rights, uh, was granted um, a, a license to carry a weapon, and also certified uh, guard uh, status in Ohio. And then from there, I just grew out from, from getting my rights restored and, and participating in that and then participating in the training uh, industry as a student beginning and then seeing a huge gap in what was being taught versus what I had a vast amount of experience with. And that's what brought my story forward as far as what I bring to the table as an instructor. You've lived it. That's fantastic. That's amazing. Do you, do you, I've kind of thought, do you think that uh, anybody's capable of anything or do you think there's, there's kind of two varieties of people out there? There are people that, that, you know, commit violence regularly and, and people that, that don't. You know, are there are there oh, criminals and non criminals out there, or is there anybody capable of anything? Well, under nor under normal circumstances, there's two. Yes. Uh, now, if you take all the food off of the shelves for for three weeks, then we're, that dynamic's going to change quickly. Right. <laughs> but right. so people have it in. It, it's just how desperate of a situation do they need to get in to, to have that brought out. But I also believe that a lot of people just don't have it in them. Let, let's talk. Let, hold it right there. Let's talk on the other side of the break. I want to go into that even further because I think it's an important point. All right, folks, you're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. The Answer. KCBQ San Diego. 1 CT Oceanside. FM 96.1 North County and AM 1170 San Diego. Streaming at odyssey.com. Hi, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, if you listen to Gun Owners Radio, you know how I feel about our current 
government, and financial systems. So it's no secret I'm a big believer in diversifying your money with precious metals like gold and silver. But when it comes to buying precious metals, you need the right company in your corner. That's why we have partnered with the top-rated precious metal company, Gold Co. Because reputation matters. Gold Co. is a six-times Inc. 5,000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, and they've helped people like you and me place over $2 billion in gold and silver. And right now, they're offering gun owner radio supporters up to $10,000 in bonus silver when opening a qualified IRA account. Wow. I know. Just the fact that they're putting it in an IRA tells me these guys are the right way to go. This is your opportunity to protect yourself from out-of-control uh, corrupt government. Don't pass it up. Grab your phone today and give uh, Gold Co. a call. Take uh, action today so you don't regret it tomorrow. Call Gold Co. at 858-612-6354, 855-612-6354. Tell them you heard it about them on Gun Owners Radio and have them explain to you why this would be a smart decision. All right, we're talking to author Varg Freeborn, and we before we were just talking uh, Varg before we went to uh, uh, break on uh, you know there, there's are, are is anybody capable of anything or are there two types of people in the world? And you pointed out that hey, look, if uh, you know there's no electricity and there's no cops and there's no food on the shelf and you know then anybody's capable of anything. But for the most part, walking around society right now, if you're just walking down the street, there, there's there's kind of two varieties of people. There's there are people that are going to commit crime and people that aren't. Um, could could you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. One of the the biggest questions you get as an instructor is uh, people talk about the switch, right? Like flipping the switch to become violent, and can you install that switch in people that don't feel like they have it? And that's a, you know, it's an unanswerable question uh, in general. It's a very individual thing. And I have I have encountered people that I do believe uh, just do not have it in them to become violent, even if they were threatened with their with their life. You know, so, um, you know, there's I don't know what you can do for people like that other than you have to learn how to be good prey. And this is something that people are very uncomfortable with, but there are people in your life that you really need to teach good prey um, strategies too. So if you have an eight-year-old daughter, even if you send her to jujitsu class, she's never going to be a formidable opponent to a 230-pound man. So she needs to be, she needs to have good prey instincts. There are animals in the wild that survive completely off of being excellent prey that that can evade predators very well. And those are skills that are very important for people like that and for people who are disabled or, you know, physically incapable of doing certain tasks or certain skills. Um, then those type of evasive uh, evasive and avoiding type of strategies become more important for them, the, the skills and the techniques that are involved in that. Um, and then for the people who can fathom committing violence or, or lethal violence towards another human being, you know, you you have to understand that human life, the value of human life has to be on a sliding scale for you. Mm. You can't just have a general view of the value of human life. And that's that. And it's a static thing because 
if someone is in front of you doing terrible things that, that they need to be stopped and in order to stop them, you have to use lethal force that might end their life as a result. That person's life has to become less important to you than anything else around or anyone else around. And, you know, the ability to do that is, is very deep. So it, it requires a lot of self-reflection and a lot of time that the person needs to spend thinking about these things and thinking about the, the, the far reaching consequences, which is very important because the, you know, a post event situation um, for people a lot of times is uh, PTSD, you know, or moral injury. Um, and things can be very, very traumatic after an event, even if you were completely in the right. So the more you deal with that beforehand, I believe it lessens the negative effects of that afterwards. So how do you deal with that beforehand? In other words, preparing yourself for the possibility that you may have to be uh, involved in some kind of, you know, violent uh, situation. How do you, how do you, how do you prepare? Like, what do you do to prepare yourself? Uh, first of all, acknowledge that that's the reality and that, that, that may happen uh, fully acknowledge it. And then start to acknowledge that, you know, you didn't wake up, to, you don't wake up every day looking for someone to victimize or someone to hurt. So you're not a bad person because you, you know, got into a situation where somebody was attacking or murdering people and you had to, to hurt that person. You know, there's, there's no moral injury there. If you understand that you weren't the one that was out looking for trouble, you, you acted in good conscience and, and on the good side of society to stop a bad person from doing a bad thing. And if you, if you just acknowledge that and really internalize that before anything ever happens, I really believe you have a better chance uh, at psychologically surviving. Um, you know, cause we talk about when there's a, when, when there's a shooting or an event, you know, there's a, there's financial consequences, there's legal consequences, civil consequences, uh, there's psychological, social consequences, and you have to prepare yourself for all five of those categories. So, Bart, when you mentioned the people that, that don't act or react or don't think they could do it, are you talking about, you know, the addition of black to Cooper's Code of Colors? Is that kind of the, the situation you're talking about, or are you talking about something different? Uh, can you repeat that? The, the... So you're talking about you, the, there's a, there's some people that just don't believe they'd be able to take the steps necessary. Are we talking about, you know, Cooper's Code of Colors, how there's been the addition of black beyond the, uh, the white to um, red? Is that the situation you're talking about? Are people that are in black or is that different? No, I'm talking about people that just due to their value systems and their moral beliefs, they just they can't see themselves committing violence like that. And there are people out there like that. I, I've met many of them. And and, and you, uh, you were just telling us that when you were 19, you were involved in a self-defense situation. And unfortunately, uh, you were incarcerated for five years. Is that right? Yes, five years. And that and that's where you got much of your expertise, and or I guess maybe that's that's that pointed you in the direction to where you know the career that you're in right now. I don't know. I don't know what percentage of your expertise came from. It was certainly valuable information. First off, do, do you um, was it was did the courts make the right decision? In my case, yeah. Uh, you know that's a that's a gray area there. Um, I, obviously, I don't think so, but. They believed so. Um, one of the problems with me, I used a knife, and a lot of people don't understand about knives is that knives are incredibly effective weapons, but they 
they create a lot of damage in a very short space of time, and they're very, very messy. And so it, it, it looks very bad. And if you go, you get into, like, if you stand next to your friend and just tap your friend on the back, you know, at a semi-rapid pace for 10 seconds, you'll get, you know, somewhere between 15 and 25 taps on their back. That's, that's realistically what a stabbing is like. And so then you have to stand in the court and explain why would a rational, reasonable person stab someone 25 times, right? And that's a very difficult hill to climb legally. Um, you know, w- whether it should be or not, I mean, the courts aren't schooled in what it takes to stop a human body from being in action, right? So until there's a significant drop in blood pressure, uh, there's just not, you know, there's nothing to signal the body to stop movement. Uh, and so that's, you know, unless you shut off the, the, the nervous system or there's a significant drop in blood pressure. So those things right there with the knife, that made it difficult for my case. So it's hard to say. I, I obviously think they made a mistake. But with that kind of with that kind of situation in a court, it's a very, very hard case to make. So, but you so were, I you were a, at 19, you were a good guy. You weren't, I guess what I'm saying is you weren't, you weren't a career criminal or, or you weren't involved in anything bad. You weren't robbing somebody. You weren't drugged up or anything like that. This was a self-defense case where the courts decided that, that you, uh, you didn't, you didn't follow the, the law when it comes to self-defense or, or did you have, or were you a career criminal? Were you, were you involved in some things that were not? That so is good? the, that is the only charge I have on my record period. That is it. But um, you know, you took, the, you took a, charge. you took a negative and you turned it around. So that's worth mm-hmm. everything. You got your, you got your, your record cleaned. And you turned it around, and and instead of being bitter about it, which I'm sure you're not thrilled, but you you made a positive change in a lot of people's lives, so you should tr- truly be commended for that. Hmm. I appreciate that, and that's what I try to do. Right. I try to take that situation and say, look, you know, this can go very badly for you in a lot of really unpredictable ways. So you have to really do as much as you can beforehand to to try to really stack the cards in your favor before anything ever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the central message of everything I teach because I paid a dear price and continue to for the rest of my life, um, you know, from certain mistakes. Right. Uh, and so, you know, and in my case, I mean, the, the, the what they called the victim even came into court and admitted on record that he waited for me to turn 18, that he had, Tended to, to put his hands on me, that he had planned his attack on me. Wow. And it made no difference because they used the excessive force uh, clause on me, and that was it. There was no, there was no overcoming and, that. And three against one. They don't even take that into consideration. Well, the other two never engaged. Once I engaged the first guy, oh, the other gotcha. two backed up. So, so that also, you know, now had I not engaged him so aggressively and violently, they would, they would have engaged, but they feared mm-hmm. for their. Their, their own safety. Sure. So there's and they two, saw what happened to the first guy. There's two things I think that are really important here um, that I want to talk to you about uh, more. But the, the first is you're a guy who is trying to defend himself 
and still did time. I think that a lot of us walk around thinking, well, I'm a good guy. If I defend myself, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, I'll simply tell the cops or, hell, you know, I got to go to court. I'll tell the court and everything will be okay. Well, Yours is a situation where it wasn't okay, even though you were truly defending yourself. And you had the same mm-hmm. situation, except you used pepper spray. Very similar. Just think if you would have used a knife. But there's something, well... There's a there's another uh, uh, but there's another really important point. Can you stay and can we can we bring you into the next segment? And keep talking. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great, Mark. Cool. We're gonna take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Folks, hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, have you ever wanted to go and get a pilot's license? Well, here in San Diego, pilots can fly almost every day of the year, which makes San Diego one of the best places to learn how to fly, period. Learn to fly with San Diego Flight Training International. Check out this deal just for Gun Owner Radio listeners. One hour of ground school, one hour of flight with instructors. Yep, and you actually get to fly. Normally that's $400, but for listeners, it's $350. Getting started is super easy. Call 858-569-1822. That's S-D-F-T-I. Again, 858-569-1822. All right, we're talking to the author of Violence of Mind, Varg Freeborn. And before the break, we were talking about how um, you were involved in 19, uh, you were involved in a self-defense situation um, and... uh, were uh, still incarcerated for five years as a result. And there were two, I think there are two important takeaways from that, which is why I asked the question. Uh, one is, like like I was saying, even if you defend yourself, even if it's clean, even if it's clearly self-defense and you uh, are defending yourself, you know, there's still a possibility that you wouldn't, you won't survive the, the, the court system. In other words, you, you could still spend time in jail. And I, that's a really important self-defense message that uh, if you decide to use lethal force, um, you know, you could truly u- lose everything. You could lose your family, your freedom, your, your bank account. You could lose everything except your life. And even even then you, you might if you, if you don't do it successfully. Uh, but I think that's an important point when, uh, important, um, important thing to know when you're uh, a gun owner and you're carrying for, for defense. But the other thing, Bart, is, you know, we were talking about how there's two different people out there. There's, there are, you know, criminals, people that, that kind of have a criminal mind, and there are people that, that don't. And I think that your experience at 19 going to jail for five years, um, it doesn't sound like you were in that category of a criminal. It doesn't sound like, you know, you grew up committing crimes and, and doing violent acts and then suddenly you're surrounded by people who are of a criminal mind. And I would imagine that as, as uh, I'm, I'm sure that experience was, was awful and you wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I'm sure it was enormously valuable and gave you tremendous insight um, when it comes to the mind of, of somebody who, uh, you know, commits crime, uh, commits violence uh, regularly. Is that, is that accurate? Uh, somewhat. I, I wouldn't say that. You, so I grew up in a very rough family. I grew up in a very rough area. Um, my fa- Many of my family were criminals, and I grew up in a very violent environment. I was uh, My mother was 16 when I was born. 
Um, I, I grew up, you know, around a lot of drugs, alcohol, a lot of violence. So I wasn't someone who was out there robbing and stealing and, you know, victimizing people, but I did a lot of fighting as a kid. Uh, so when I, when I hit prison, it wasn't a culture shock for me totally. Now <clears throat> there were kids that, that I did see come in like that and they didn't, they typically did not do well. And, uh, that, that was very, very sad to watch, but um, luckily the streets had prepared me a little bit better that, you know, so I didn't do badly in there. I wouldn't say that it was a hundred percent negative experience. Um, but some people, you know, go there and get their, their soul shattered, like, like a wine glass and it's irreparable. So that culture shock, you know, is something I'm glad I didn't have. Uh, so I'm glad I had a little bit of, you know, a violent uh, upbringing that, you know, while that in itself was traumatic, at least the things that I endured weren't such a culture shock and I wasn't prepared for them. Um, so, so we'll say that, right. Uh, is that, is that clear that up for you? Yeah, absolutely. But I still, you know, it, I'm, you got a tremendous amount of insight being surrounded by, um, you know, I don't know what the right term is. I don't want to offend anybody. High level criminals. Yeah, level people. Criminals. Yeah, okay. There. You, I was gonna. I, I usually use the term career criminals, but you know, people that that uh, are more likely to to commit violence, more likely to commit crime. Um, what was? What do you learn? Like, what do we know? Like, you know, the, the the average Joe that's listening. You know, people that, that don't commit crime, that aren't, don't have a propensity to commit crime, don't really uh, commit acts of violence. Maybe they've never been involved in an act of violence ever. Um, what, what should they know? How, how is it different? Like how do, how does, how does the, the average person, uh, uh, what do they need to know? What's some insight about a career criminal that, that they need to know? Um, well, well, first of all, the biggest career criminals are politicians. Uh, <laughs> I, I deal with them every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess we're talking about violent crime. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it, it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a population out there that has a high propensity for, for violence and they have a lot of experience and a lot of people like to downplay that experience because it's, they're just criminals. And a lot of people, especially law enforcement who come into contact with on a daily basis, very low level criminals, people who can't solve their own problems. They're getting domestic calls all the time and they're drunk and they're, they're, you know, they're physically atrophic and they can't really fight. And so they get this bias in their head that, you know, criminals can't fight. Well, the people that it wasn't that guy that you need to worry about. It was the guy that you pulled over for a taillight and you didn't know he had 20 keys in his trunk and he's, you know, he's a, he's connected to the cartel. That's the guy that will kill you. But, but because he was able to get out of that traffic stop and you never detected that there was something else going on, you didn't have that confrontation with that guy because he's smarter. He's not stupid, and he's not going to get in a fight with you in front of 7-Eleven over a 12-pack of beer. So, so that's the big difference is understanding that there are higher-level people out there that are smarter that are staying out of the way, but they tend to be among the most dangerous. Wow, that's so, an interesting so that's distinction. First revelation. Yeah. And then after that, you know, it just scales down from there. I mean, if you look at, you know, early, you know, young Mike Tyson, I can't think of a, of a human being more, more scary than my, young Mike Tyson. He was, he was an absolutely angry, just cr criminally angry, violent young man. And, you know, Customato did a lot 
to pull that kid off the street and really help him out. And it took, it took almost 50 years for Mike to like calm down and become this humble, like incredible guy that he's becoming now that he's actually insightful and things like that. But think about who he was when he was 19, 20 years old, 21 years old. The guy, he wanted to kill people. Like he would go in the ring. He wanted to break you, you know, and that's the type of mentality that's, that you're, you could be bumping shoulders with at, you know, the, the, at Target or, you know, Walmart or something like that. So you have to keep that in mind that sometimes people are incredibly dangerous, like incredibly dangerous, and you can't underestimate that. That's I really emphasize that. I think there's a piece, you know, that, that the, a career criminal, there's a, a piece of their personality, um, you know, leaving the, the, the violent part aside for a second. This probably ties them into the, uh, you know, a politician, uh, uh, you know, more so because, you know, politicians aren't violent. Uh, they're manipulative. And I, I th- mm-hmm. it, there's, there's a, I, I think that, you know, kind of the average, you know, suburban person um, isn't manipulative. They, they're generally well-meaning, but I, I, I and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm making, you know, generalizations from my, from my armchair. I'm certainly no expert. This is really more of a question than a statement, but it seems like career criminals are, are, are very manipulative people. You know, they're, they're in it for themselves. They're, they're trying to get things out of people. Um, you know, even if they're not committing violence, they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, Hey, what's in it for me? Whereas I think the average person is not that manipulative and they can easily be abused and used by that, by that person. Is that, is that making sense? Am I making any sense? Yeah, I, I, I'll give you a, a, a quick explanation of that. Um, a lot of people think that, you know, prison is, um, you know, all stabbings and rape. And, and while those elements are definitely there and it is, obviously the most hostile environment in this country. Um, The majority of what happens there is all based on intimidation and manipulation. It is, it is, it is very a small percentage of the actual violence. Most, most coercion and most action is accomplished through intimidation or some type of manipulation. And I go really into that in beyond Uda. That's like what that, that's what that book's about. And talking about like how the criminal mind actually works and the manipulation and the deception and things like that, because that's, you know, it's, it's 90% of the problem. So the, 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 the violence part is 10% of the problem. You're absolutely correct that the majority of it is manipulation, intimidation, and other types of coercion. So what do we got to know? What is the average American? What's just give us a little piece because uh, your book sounds fascinating on it. And I think it's an important point to make. And I think that, uh, you know, your personal experience had, brings tremendous insight to it. But what's like a little like bumper sticker sized piece of knowledge that the average person needs to know about about being manipulative or just how manipulative career criminals are? Um, so most violence ends up being egotistically driven or created. So first of all, if you just keep your ego in check, you'll avoid most of these people right off the bat. You, you, your chances of living a peaceful life are much, much, much higher if you keep your ego in check and you don't allow your ego to drive you in a situation where you're in contact with these people in the first place. Um, but if you are targeted for some reason, you know, just having a little bit of a, of a radar about what story you're telling yourself about who you are and how you fit into the world and understanding how the person you're dealing with is seeing you in their story 
right? And then trying to determine, okay, am I realistically looking at this situation properly? And uh, we talked about earlier about the good guy syndrome, right? Where people just automatically think, well, I'm the good guy, so I'm not going to get in trouble, right? right? And that type of thinking goes even farther than just legal repercussions. It's, you know, I'm a good person, so I'm not out here trying to manipulate people or take advantage of people, so I'm not, I don't have to deal with that. And unfortunately, you do. And so when you just start to get that in your head a little bit to, to have not just distrust everybody, but just understand that if somebody's running, you know, trying to run game on you, like uh, like the media runs on us 24-7. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Extremely fascinating. We got a hard break here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. What's your website? Uh, vargfreeborn.com. Vargfreeborn.com. Thanks a lot, Varg. That was fascinating. Thank you so much for what you do. All thank right. You. Good All right, job. All right, hey, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM Ready, stand by. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio. We are your Second Amendment community. Interviews, product reviews, politics, trivia. Gun Owners Radio has it all and more. Check us out at gunownersradio.com and tune in every week to hear Dave Stahl, Michael Schwartz, and all our guests talk about everything Second Amendment. Here we go. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1178. Be answer. Inland Empire owners strive to be the... What? Inland Empire gun owners. What did I say? You just said Inland Empire owners. Nobody owns the Inland Empire. They might. But people in Inland Empire own guns. And they strive to be the ounce of prevention in the fight for your gun rights. And how do they do it? They do it by fundraising and getting local pro-gun candidates elected. You can become a member today. Go to iegunowners.com slash join and join the growing number of responsible gun owners stepping up to defend the Second Amendment. That's iegunowners.com slash join. And if you own a bus, it helps. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe and win. Subscribe to our email list and win some swag. If you go to gunownersradio.com, and uh, enter your information. You'll get our uh, really cool email that tells you all about what's going on in Gun Owners Radio and beyond. It's re- it's a very, very informative. Rich does a great job with Do it. Do we have a winner? This week's winner is... Gary Watkins. Come on down. Excellent. Email prizes at gunownersradio.com to claim your t-shirt or hat. Uh, free training for members. Enter to win intro... To firearms class. Oh, enter to win a free intro to firearms class from Stronghold Dynamic. All you do is sign up at gunownersradio.com slash training, the number four, members. That's gunownersradio.com slash training, the number four, members. Winner announced on August 27th, so you're going to want to go there quick, enter all your information, 
And uh, you could win a very cool uh, class by Stronghold Dynamic. Thank you, Stronghold Dynamic. Awesome job. August 2nd. There's a couple of things going on on August 2nd. Uh, first is Hot Rods and Handguns. Everybody in Orange County, you're going to want to go at 6 o'clock to Hot Rods and Handguns. Orange County Gun Owners combined with Reform California, uh, we're going to have a uh, public safety uh, symposium, basically. Uh, you know, there's crimes on the rise in Orange County, and we're going to talk about uh, what's going on, what's being done about it, and what you can do. So show up at uh, Hot Rods and Handguns on August 2nd. That's this week, August 2nd in Orange Where County, is Huntington it? Beach. Where is it? Hot Rods and Handguns, is, is it's in Orange County. Just Google Hot Rods and Handguns. You'll be able to find Alicia, it. Alicia, jump on it. Okay. Second thing that's going on on August 2nd, if you're in San Diego, Imperial Beach City Council, we need you to show up. Imper- even if you don't live in Imperial Beach, uh, what's going on is Imperial Beach has had an FFL, fantastic lady named Stephanie, and she had her, uh, her gun shop there for years. She moved out of state for a few years. She's back in Imperial County. She's trying to reopen uh, in fact, she's not just going to be an FFL. She's going to sell all kinds of cool stuff, apparel, accessories, stuff like that. And she's going to be able to sell guns. Uh, I don't even think it's going to make up like 20% of her business. It's going to be uh, a gun shop where you can purchase firearms, and she's an FFL, but it's going to be focused on a lot of other things. The city council's giving her a hard time. They don't want it open. They don't. I, the, they came out with a list of um, demands, basically. Mm. A list of regulations, and uh, it doesn't look like they want her to open. You know, they're going to pull the whole, well, gee, all you got to do is comply, but the stuff they want her to comply with is uncompliable. So, uh, you know, it, it's tough to say. Do they want to uh, regulate her out of Imperial Beach? That's certainly the way it looks, and we need you to show up on August 2nd. At Imperial Beach. So if you're in San Diego, <clears throat> go to the Imperial Beach City Council meeting on August 2nd. That's at 6 p.m. down in Imperial Beach at their city hall. If you're in Orange County, go to Hot Rods and Handguns at uh, 6 o'clock for the Public Safety Symposium. There's a lot of things for you to do if you're a Second Amendment activist. And no matter where you are, Orange County, Inland Empire, San Diego, GunProm.com. Buy your tickets today. By going to gunprom.com, it's on September 16th at the Town and Country in Mission Valley. Lots of fun, lots of guns, lots of movers and shakers. Me, Dave, and Alicia will be there as well. Two so, movers and a shaker. There you go. All so, right, she has an address. I do. And you know what, Dave? I'm looking at this right now, and it's like right up your alley. It's Hot, hot Rod and Handguns, up, uh, stated up in Orange County, address 5872 Engineer Drive. And not only do they have a gun range, they have an eating area. <laughs> Are you trying to say I need to eat? <laughs> well, it sounds like it's your type of food. If you're if you're ah oh, Orange- my yes. kind of food. If you're in Orange County, you know Hot Rods and Handguns. <laughs> Hot Rods and Handguns is extremely nice. Have you been there? Ex- yeah, yeah, I've been there. It's extremely modern. It's Armenian nice. food. Our what? Armenian food. <laughs> I, Armenian food. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's, it's like that burgers. Would, and- that's the only reason you'd go. No, 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 no. It's like burgers and pizzas and stuff like that, right? Oh, real yep. food. Yeah, but yep. it's good. It's really, I mean, the whole thing is really, it's worth going to the event just to see Hot Rods and Handguns. Right. That's how nice Hot Rods and Handguns is. Is it a, is it a retail store? <clears throat> it's They have a retail store. They have a range. They, it's a private club. And a restaurant. Um, they have a little restaurant. They have two different kinds of ranges. Um, they have a couple of Hot Rods on display. Just two? Uh, well, I think more than two. 
But I think what, what the history is, the owner was a big hot rod guy, and then he wanted to open up a gun shop. Um, so he they do go up. together. I agree. They do go together. Why? What, how, like peanut butter and chocolate? Yeah, hot rods and guns. Yeah. And watches. <laughs> and whiskey. And whiskey. <laughs> no, you can't have whiskey. They actually, actually, they do have a, um, if, if memory serves, they have a bar. They do. And there's a, there, what it, it's a system where the only way to get into the bar is you have like this this card, this code. And if you've been, let me think for a second. You you if you've been to the bar, then that little card won't allow you to get to the range. Oh, I see. See what I'm saying? That's good. Yeah, That's smart. Yeah, right. Well, but, you know the city's probably oh, oh hot rods and oh, oh, oh. yeah, you know. So definitely go. There's a lot to do, guys. Don't just take the summer off. There's a lot of activism to do. Two things on one night. You know, so plus, at Imperial Beach, problem. is this an opportunity people can speak for two minutes? Yeah, you're going to want to speak for two minutes. You're going to tell them that the you have to register. Regulate, uh, so you show up and you say, "Hey, I want to speak," um, and they'll they'll get you all signed up. It's it's super easy, and you want to tell them that the 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 regulations that they're proposing are far too onerous. That they're a pure a pure to purposely eliminate um, uh, uh, gun shops. Like for example, one. One one of the regulations is uh, that the gun shop would have to add the city to their insurance policy, um, which would basically it's it's it, their potential, you know, bankrupt of of the uh, of the yeah. of the gun shop. You know, the the city has a city attorney. The city has its own insurance. Um, so, you know, there it gives way too much power to the uh, the city manager. The city manager can decide things. You know, at the drop of a hat. You know the city manager is not elected. There's there's no checks and balances. So if the city manager just starts making up security requirements, elected. no city managers hired by the elected officials. So you usually have five city council members, and then the city manager is hired by those five city council members to you know kind of do the daily activities of the of the city. But that person should not be making you know decisions like uh, you know what security measures. The uh, the store should suddenly need to comply with. I mean, first off, they're completely unqualified. There's, there's zero qualifications yeah, where, for a city he, manager. Where does he have the qualifications? To, do <laughs> they don't. It's a ridiculous requirement. What other businesses are they putting these requirements on? That's an excellent point, Alicia. Yeah. Nobody, nobody in Imperial Beach has to do anything like this. You could open up a, a you know, a, ice cream parlor, a, a nuclear facility, yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't have to jump through as many hoops as. As a, a firearms uh, uh, shop, so that's why it's important. So another business that doesn't want tax dollars. Yeah, but I, I you know, I, I can't tell. So there's, there's at least one uh, uh, city council member that th- that realizes this whole thing's ridiculous. Uh, her name's Carol, and she's wonderful. The other four, I don't know if they're true believers, you know, and they think, hey, we got to do this, or if they're just anti-gun, or, or where they exactly stand. My hope is that they say, hey, you know what? This wasn't our intention. We were just trying to put some good regulations on paper, but... When is it? If you don't show up, we'll never know. It is the 2nd, August 2nd at 6 o'clock. All right, be there, be square. Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, is there a better tool that empowers a woman to defend against an attacker that's 100 pounds bigger? Nope. That's why it's so important for women to learn how to defend themselves 
but the most effective self-defense tool ever invented. For women led by women, the Not Me program is designed to help with training, purchasing a gun, and getting a concealed carry permit. And it's free. Sign up, go to notmesd.org. Go to notmesd.org. All right. So up next, we have a guest on the line. We have Derek LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Derek, are you there with us? I am. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. So, Derek, you are with a group called the Kids Safe Foundation. And I'd love just to start, yeah. uh, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about that foundation, a little bit about your history and your background, please. Okay, so the, the Kids Safe Foundation, we're a 501c3 nonprofit, and we're based in Oregon. And so we teach firearm safety and accident prevention to kids. And so we've been a nonprofit since 2016, and now we've reached over 28,000 kids in five states and taught them life-saving skills and what to do if they ever come across an unsecured firearm. And, you know, my journey to get here started, you know, on one dark morning when I was put in a position where I needed a firearm to be able to defend myself, I didn't have one. And so it's from that experience that kind of put me on this path to where I am today. So so you said you're, you're based out of Oregon. Do you, do you travel and, or are all your courses local to you? We do. We used to used to be able to go into California. We used to go to Northern California to do some and both some sports and shows there. And that way we had a BB gun range. We could blow it up and then we could teach safety to the kids. But unfortunately, because of new legislation, that has kept us out of California. So about AB 2571? Yes, I am. I'm glad you don't have that up in Oregon. We're combating that here in California as best as we can. Uh, you know, what? what is the, as far as when your experience, what is the policy that prevents um, advertising to uh, to youth and training and safety, how is that going to impact the youth? I know that you don't have that regulation up in Oregon, but we do here in, in California. What is your thoughts on how that's going to have an impact on the youth? Well, I think it's extremely dangerous and negligent, uh, to be honest with you, because when you take away the, the parents' ability to educate their kids about something that's really, really important, like firearm safety, and our kids are going to get information from, you know, it could be social media, it could be TikTok, it could be stuff like YouTube, or it could be, you know, violent video games. You know, that's what's going to form their early opinions of firearms, and it's going to give them bad information. Absolutely. I agree. Could not agree more. When So your, your Kids Safe Foundation, what is your, tell me a little bit about the structure of your class. Like if I was to bring a child to you, one of my kids, and I bring them up to you, kind of describe to me what, what is the content, what does the class look like? Is it very interactive? Is it a lot of discussion? What does that look like? How does that learning um, given to those kids? Absolutely. So typically our kids farm safety one classes, which we hold them probably the most frequent is it's a one-hour class. It's in front of the whole entire family. So there's going to be information for the parents. There's also going to be information for the kids. And in this class, I actually have real guns. I, I handle the guns. I show the parents, you know, the proper way to load and unload to make sure everybody's on the same page. But I also answer any kind of questions that the kids might have. And from this, I'm giving them good, relevant information about, you know, different types of firearms, you know, especially the modern sporting rifle. We talk about that heavily and kind of kind of defrag their little minds about, you know, the truth and what's, what's the real truth as opposed to what they might see in the media. And so this gives us the opportunity. We also talk about online safety, you know, anti-bullying as part of our our, our our program and so it's it's our goal is when these, these families leave our, our program and, and another thing that's really really important is we talk about secure storage and obviously it, in Oregon it is the law here that every gun is required to be you know securely stored but we think it's it's we don't need the government to tell us to do that we just need to change our, our habits 
which are going to help keep our, our, our kids safer, but also help protect our rights going forward. So when you, now you say that you talk about, the, and I love that you do this as a family dynamic, do you have a certain age range that either a cutoff or a recommended age that you, you put out there for people to start training their kids? Well, I've, I've had kids as, as young as, as two and three years old in the class because there's information for the parents. And, you know, we typically start the kids about four years old with, with the accident prevention part of our program. And so that way we're giving these, the families good information. If there's stuff that the parents maybe haven't thought of, you know, that's where we're kind of reinforcing these really important safety principles. And, and there's stuff that they can always quiz their kids about. So there's going to be takeaways from this class. And there's stuff, you know, that's how our kids are going to learn is through repetition. And, and so there's stuff that's all we're trying to do is set these families on a path to safety. And it's, you know, it's, it's working. Absolutely. You know, we had a really huge tragedy here in, in, in California and in Southern California in Fallbrook. I'm not sure how familiar you are with that. Are you familiar with that at all? The Fallbrook incident here. Yes, I, I okay. I, I read the press release and I read up on mm-hmm. the story. I saw the news story. It's 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 horrific. It's it horrific. Is. So this was a three year old, and you mentioned that you you've had classes with children as young as two. So there there are opportunities. There are learning. Um, there are there are ways to help introduce these concepts and these safety these safety points. Now that the point of AB two five seven one here in California is they claimed it was to protect the kids. And so okay. they, and so it was, you know, it measured. So it working? Uh, mm, right. So the, no. <laughs> no. so the, so the, the fact it, for those of you who are, or may not be familiar, or maybe you've blocked it because it's just so, so hard, hard to hear in Fallbrook, we had a, a three-year-old, a toddler essentially who got their hands on an unsecured farm. We don't have a whole lot of details yet as to what the, what the full uh, circumstances were, but got a hold of that farm and was able to discharge it and shoot their one-year-old sibling. And, you know, and, and really, if, if anything, with youth that young, you start to put those seeds of safety, like you mentioned, you know, that the, the idea of leave it, don't touch it, you know, it, it's, mm-hmm. those seeds are so critically important to implant. And do you, do you have repeat families that come to you and that kind of come back and for repeat lessons or learning? Is there a lot of repetition or do you think that the class that you offer, the families are able to take it and to reinforce it at home? Do you find you have? Absolutely. Repeat? I mean, mm-hmm. there's, yeah, there's parents that come to us, you know, you know, once every year, just kind of as a refresher. And it's nice to see, you know, the growth in the kids and, you know, so they're more receptive and, and they feel, feel more engaged in the class because they're, they, they remember. Mm-hmm. And I get emails, I get messages all the time from, from parents that, you know, this was their favorite class that they've ever taken, which is, it tells, tells a lot that our messaging is on point because, you know, we're not trying to push guns here. We're trying to push safety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, safety is a byproduct of, of responsible gun ownerships. And, and that's how we're going to preserve our rights going forward in the future. And, and that's how we engage with the youth to, to make sure that, you know, they're going to be the future stewards of our two-way rights. Absolutely. Absolutely. So obviously, I, I, you know, you are going to agree with us on this, but I'm curious, give me a, a bit of the depth and, and maybe even some, some side shoots that we haven't thought of. What are some, some really downfalls that we're going to be seeing um, by advert, prohibiting the advertisement of training to youth? Because AB 2571 that we have here in California doesn't prevent the training to youth, but it prevents the marketing and the ability for us trainers to be able to let parents know that these classes are available. We, we can still train them if they come to us, but they have to seek us out. So what are your thoughts as to how, you know, kind of how widespread is this, this impact going to have on us here? 
Well, you know, from the, the so I've, we've been training down in there for, you know, the previous, you know, four to five years in, in Anderson, California. And what was kind of shocking to us is every year when we're down there is when we're talking about gun safety with the families is there's a lot of, a lot of families don't think about gun safety with their kids. And the reason they don't do, do so is they're afraid of, you know, Billy going to school and telling one of their friends, you know, because, you know, your laws are ever evolving. And so what something used to be legal like three to four years ago is now illegal because of a stroke of a pen. Well, the parents don't feel like educating the kids because they're, now they're opening themselves up for legal action. And so I, I think, you know, what's happening here is, is definitely detrimental to the health and safety of the kids of, of California. And it actually pushes the needle in a way that you don't want it to go when it comes to the safety of the kids. And, and so, you know, I don't know if there's any legal challenges, but it's it's something that, you know, the, the government shouldn't have the right to tell those parents how to educate their kids, especially when it comes to something like firearm safety. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, as far as, as, as a, a way to push back or legal recourse against it, that would be a, that'd be a good mic question. I'm not sure uh, what our avenues might be or options could be there. Yeah, I know there's there there's I, I don't know exactly what's going on as far as formal challenging it, but it's it, it, it's not even a Second Amendment uh, issue; it's a First Amendment at, at mm-hmm. that point that you're not allowing people yeah. to assemble and speak. Pretty sure that's protected. Mm-hmm. Those two things. Yeah. I read that somewhere. I don't know. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's pretty ridiculous, and we we made the point. Did you, now you said you, you'd uh, read the press release. Did you read our press release, or is that what you're talking about? I I, I did. I did. So what did you think of our press release and what we, the, you know, the tone and, and things that we, that we uh, expressed? Well, I like, I like the tone, you know, the, the one thing that, you know, I saw the news story and, and the way they were talking about, you know, criminal charges, which I, I get all that. Um, but I think as a parent, you know, that parent is already, you know, living a life sentence without that child. And, and so while I, I get the, the rush to charge when it comes to law enforcement, all that stuff, the fact of the matter, this should be an awareness issue. This should be awareness where we should be talking about why it's important to secure that firearm. We should also be talking about why it's important to educate our kids. And, you know, so that's nothing that was brought up in the media was gun safety education. You know, one thing that was really concerning for me is how the media cited every town as an official source. I think that's a real problem for, for law-abiding citizens because none of their information is, is reliable. It's all jaded. It's all got a slant to it. And it, it's not accurate. And so the, the sooner that we can say no and push back on, on that type of stuff, you know, the better off we're going to be. Well, on the, the day after it happened, there was actually a county board meeting, uh, the County Board of Supervisors, um, and it was brought up um, uh, during a uh, discussion. Uh, they were trying to push some, uh, some more regulations and, and, and bureaucracy that they wanted to put in place that was all anti-gun. And, you know, they kept talking about, well, gee, this is why we need, you know, gun storage regulations. Well, there were already, there were two. There was a county, the, in Fallbrook, they already they already have a, a county regulation that requires them to store firearms um, locked. And then there was a, a state regulation. that all, So, you know, it's not about the other side. It's not about accuracy. And it's not even about safety. This is about a political agenda and mm-hmm. leveraging uh, you know, a horrible tragedy in order to advance that uh, that political agenda, which is, is is really sad. But I definitely don't think enough people know that, uh, um, you know, that their speech is being limited, that, that we're not allowed to say, hey, we want to teach your kids how to be mm-hmm. safe around firearms. 
And I think that message, I don't care what political party you belong to, um, you know, nobody likes their, their speech being regulated. So I, I, I think that angle is something that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. And, um, you know, how is it, yeah. so how has it affected your, what, what? Oh, next segment, There's that music next segment. All right. Hey, this is gun owners radio FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, a lot of companies waste an enormous amount of money on marketing. And the design is excellent. The photos are beautiful. And your website looks great. But it's just not getting customers. Why? Because you don't have the words that make people buy. But now you can fix that with Sage Street. Sage Street can help you find the words that make it easy for your customer to understand what you do and how to buy from you. Stop wasting money today and schedule a call. Getting started is real easy. Visit sagetree.com and click on the schedule an appointment button. That's sagetree.com and click on that schedule a call button now. Hey, before we go back to our guests, I wanted to say uh, hello to everybody that's watching us over, well, what was formerly, <laughs> the app formerly known as Twitter. X. X. We are X. live streaming over X. Um, so if you are uh, someone who is on X, uh, you can uh, hear us live every Sunday from 4 to 6 there. And uh, welcome to all our viewers there who are listening to us via X on formerly what was Twitter. Yeah, they said it should have been XO. <laughs> get it? XO? No. no, I don't get it. I when get you do a nice gesture to a lady, XO. Oh. Kisses and hugs. All right. Okay, excellent. Moving, moving, moving right, right along. along. <laughs> Alicia. Yes, sir. Go for it. Yeah. So I just okay. So we were, were we left off before the break. Who are we, we talking were, to? We were talking to Derek. Okay. Derek with Kids Safe Foundation about okay. training youth in firearm safety, which I can't help but wonder had this Fallbrook Fallbrook three year old have taken a class like Derek's, could this? Have, what are the odds? Right that that this could have ended differently. Instead of pushing for redundant. You know, laws, storage things that we already have in place. Instead, maybe pushing for safety. Instead of putting these roadblocks that make it more challenging and difficult for us to reach out to reach these families and to reach these youth to train them in those yeah. safety aspects. How could this? You know, this could have ended so differently. And so, um, so we were we we left off talking with Derek. Derek, you still there? I am. Fantastic. What What is the age? Can I ask real quick? What What are the what like what's What's the youngest that you can reasonably, uh, you know, tell folks that hey, um, uh, we can train your kid, and they and they'll they could you know potentially effectively be safe uh, if they ever run into a firearm. What, what what is that minimum age? Well, I, effectively, we could start as as young as four, and and that's when we're going to give them little tools that are going to make sense to them that our guns are not toys and that they're tools, and then we should treat them as such. And you know, we can teach, you know, trigger discipline, muzzle discipline, all sorts of different things. Uh, and obviously, you know, what not to do, like similar to like the Ed Eagle, which is stop, don't touch, run away, tell the grown up, stuff like that. Um, you know, what makes our program kind of unique is we actually follow up with live fire training for the kids. And so we typically, depending on the maturity of the kid, 
is we start them out about six or seven and we start with rimfire rifles. And, and so that's another way to kind of reinforce the safety principles that we already taught them when it comes to the accident prevention program. And we get to use real guns. So that one's a lot of fun. Yeah, Eddie the Eagle, we can't use him anymore. You won't find yeah. him anymore. Yeah. So, which you know, it just it's it's outdated. I mean, it was it was it was cutting edge in 1970. You know, <laughs> yeah. So it's you know we're a smaller, more nimble organization. We're able to change with you know the threats that our our kids are facing daily or weekly or yearly, and so we can make changes to our program. That's what makes us more successful. So what what are the, so speaking of of ways to become successful would you really quickly tell us how can people reach out to you if they're looking to find you how are parents going to find you do you and by the way do you offer any online training for people that are not local to you We're actually working on that right now and so our our curriculum is is copyrighted trademark we're you know we're trying to get you know funding together so we can grow, grow our net network across the country and actually have instructors from all over the country teach what we do and, you know, that way we turn that 28,000 kids that we've reached into a million or 10 million, you know, because we have the blueprint. Um, we've we've it's it's tried and true. And, and so we just we just need that help. And we need the, the, the people that might be afraid of guns to maybe, you know, sit back for a second and just listen and open up their ears and understand that there is an organization uh, that cares for their kids and wants to see their kids protected. And and one thing I want to impress upon the parents here is is you might not have guns. You might be afraid of guns, but don't think for a second that your kids can't be exposed somewhere else. And and so, you know, that's why, you know, our programs for really every kid, you know, we have an adaptive program. So we have, you know, kids that have joined us that are blind. We've actually had, you know, blind shooters, which is really, really spectacular. And we were working on translating our stuff into, you know, Spanish, Japanese, Mandarin, you know, Russian, you know, because there's no educational opportunities for those kids. And so we have to reach every kid, not just the kids with guns in their home. And that is so critical. I think far too many people don't give that any thought. They think, you know, I protected my children. And in, in, in the way that they do that, they think that by not having a gun in their home, that they're going to prevent any yeah. issues and they don't, have, you know, they can put blinders on and not have to worry about it. But you never know. They go to a friend's house. They just, there's other opportunities. And you're right. You need to teach the child not simply think that you can put a bubble around them and that they're not going to ever need to know the information. So that is critical and that is so important. So important. Well, I think what's, what's really important for you guys is right now there's a big push because now there was an, a, a story, I don't know if you guys saw it out of Ohio, like last week where they had a one-minute a one clip that said that well, this one-minute clip has actually helped keep kids safe from, from guns. And so now you're seeing, you know, every town jump on board. And so they have a program, they call it, quote-unquote, gun safety, but it's not gun safety. And, and their idea of gun safety is to keep your kids safe is you have to go get rid of your firearms if you have a firearm in the home to keep your kids safe. So that's not gun safety. You know, our guns are here. We have over 450 million guns in this country. There's 110 million lawful responsible gun owners out there and so we're not the problem here we just we just need to coexist and and the the powers that be would need to just kind of try something new and that's that's my biggest thing here is is we have something that we can invest in right now that would save more lives than anything that every town would ever propose and And we just need that opportunity absolutely and you brought up a great point that that so many people are fearful of guns and, and I imagine, I'm a trainer, and, and I imagine that you've come across the same thing as well, that when someone finally gets the courage 
either whether it's through a dare or through force or just simply to solve a curiosity that they have, they come in fearful and they leave with knowledge and that fear has turned to respect. And sometimes they actually really enjoy it and they come back and it turns into into something Mm -hmm. that they enjoy. And sometimes they leave without a love for it, but they have an understanding. And when there's knowledge, that fear tends to go away. When we, a lot of them, when they have fear, they have fear of what they don't understand and what they don't know. And by, by teaching them, it's, there's an empowerment that goes with that. And then that fear just tends to, to dissipate and go away. I don't know if what your experience has been with that, but that's been my experience. hundred percent correct. And, and so that's, that's the thing is when parents, we pull the crowd. And so when we have people that come to a class, you know, they raise their hand, like, Hey, we asked them, Hey, does anybody have any guns in the home? You know, and, and if there's ones that, you know, don't have any firearms, I always, you know, I, we always welcome them because we're, we're glad that you're here um, because, you know, this message is really, really important for your kids. And there's so many kids that we meet at a young age that are, they have this thirst for knowledge when it comes to firearms because they're, they're seeing them in movies, they're seeing them on TV, they're seeing them in their video games. Mm-hmm. And, and so with, you know, there's a, I call it young curious, quote unquote, young curious, because these kids just want to know. And, and so I, I'm glad that we have the opportunity to spend the hour with them. We get to make their parents feel a little bit more comfortable about guns. And a lot of times, you know, they'll come back and they'll join us on the range. And so we're able to actually convert those people that were fearful into now we're on the range. Now we get to teach them how the process works, how the firing process works in a, in a safe and controlled environment. And so this is a way that we provide extra value to, the, to society. And, and, and it's, it's just, it's really incredible to watch. Fantastic. I love it. And that's, and, and I have, I've seen that play out so many times and I've had all walks of life come in to work with me. I, I work with kids quite often. I work with families. I work with with elderly, I worked with with everybody and across the spectrum, I've had similar outcomes to where they come in fearful, unsure, yeah. and they leave grateful and, 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 and they have a respect. And so that, and that's so critical. It's so important for the listeners out there that maybe if, if you're in that boat, if, if you're uncomfortable, you're unsure, if you've never taken a class or you, you're curious, I encourage you to go out there and to find a trainer in your area, find someone, work with them, get that knowledge, get that understanding and you will see that it's not all that the uh, the media likes to portray it as, and uh, you will leave with a whole new respect for it. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that the biggest advice I would give for parents is is to turn off the turn off the news mm-hmm. and 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 realize the source is propaganda, and it it's not looking out for your best interest. And understand, look at data. The numbers cannot lie. And look at the CDC. Look at the the FBI. The UCI. Look at all this different stuff as opposed to, you know, this cherry pick information that's coming from uh, certain organizations that profit off of these tragedies. And 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 so just keep an open mind and 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 educate yourself. And, you know, we're we want to be a trusted resource for everybody across the country. And and you guys can find us on our on our social media channel channels. We're always available if anybody has any questions. And, and that's the whole point is just to, to you know, kind of tear down these walls to make sure people feel empowered about this process. We want to empower our youth to make good, safe decisions. And so that's, that's what we're about. So Derek, if people want to get that information, they want to reach out to you. Give, so you mentioned social media, give me all those details. What's your website? What's your social media? Go ahead and throw your phone number out there. How do people reach out to you? Okay. So our, our, our website is kidssafefoundation.org. There's two S's there. 
you can you can look at the, on our website. You can find our calendar. You can see a blog there. There's also a way for people to help support us to, to help keep us going. Uh, we're also on YouTube. We have you know almost coming up on 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. So we do a lot of stuff there. Uh, we're on Instagram, you know, Facebook, and X now. And you know, obviously, the social media big tech giants have really throttled our reach, and and so that's why we're so thankful to have this opportunity to talk to you guys to kind of get outside of that that wall of censorship. Fantastic. That's awesome. Great job, Derek. Love Absolutely. what you do. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Yeah, thanks for having us. And so so one thing, my, my, my mission, our mission here is zero firearm accidents is the only acceptable goal. And so until we get to zero, we're going to continue to work. Good fight. Absolutely. Keep Thank up. You. Thank keep you, Derek. it up. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Cool organization, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think they're doing a, a very good thing. Right. Now they all the rest of the states just need to accept them. Well, they do, but yeah. we also need to get uh, we need to get the uh, the law lifted. What is it? AB AB two five seven one. And again, the AB two five seven one it doesn't prevent, and and that I think there's some misunderstanding there too. It doesn't prevent youth from being trained. It doesn't prevent youth coming and taking a course. Mm-hmm. It just makes it to where us trainers cannot promote or talk or discuss about the opportunities out there for youth. The the families have to come to us. Well, if they listen to this show, then they don't have to. They can just listen to our show. It might be tough. There's so many lawsuits that need to happen. Um, that's the only thing that's preventing us from uh, going after that right now. So, anyway. You will. We'll uh, get there. All right, folks. This is Gun Owners Radio. Last segment coming up. Your favorite, Stump My Nephew. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Gun- FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Ho, ho, ho. Gun prom's right around the corner. Better get a ticket. And they're on sale now. So join San Diego County gun owners and the rest of the Second Amendment community at the Town and Country in Mission Valley. Get your fancy suit and dresses on and join us for like-minded people that believe in the right to self-defense. The Second Amendment dinner is coming up September 16th. Get your tickets now and reserve your spot for a night with great people. Great food, drinks, for all a great cause. Go to gunprom.com to get your tickets now. Buy a table and bring your family and friends. That's gunprom.com and buy your tickets today. And if you have a group, you can get a table. And if you get a champagne table, you get tickets. And you get to dance with Michael Schwartz. How great is gunprom? I know it's wonderful. I love that. That started out as a nickname. It's actually called. It's, yeah, it's called some other silly name. Some other silly name. Yeah, That's what it's called. Second Amendment. It's called the up. Second Amendment Celebration Dinner. Gunprom. And much better. Uh, I think like year two, it just turned into gunprom. So how many cowboy hats we can have this year? How many are you going to bring? But you notice we we got a lot of cowboy hats. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Joe well, will be I'm there. In. Joe will be there. I get a contact, Joel. I was going to say, have you talked to him lately? No, he just got back from, uh, he was in Wyoming for a week on a, on a horse. So he's Coming back with a hat. Yeah, yeah. He's, got a, he's got a hat or two, but I, I get a contact, make sure he's there. He's always a, a hit. He's totally a hit. Do you know if that horse had a name? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What, what do you think it was? 
<laughs> no comment. Wilbur. <laughs> I'm aging myself on that one. Yes, you are. All right. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. Stump, my nephew, Sam the Gunman is my nephew. We found out that he's extremely good at gun trivia. So now we ask him a question every week. Uh, if you email us a question and we use it on the air, you'll get a hat or a shirt. And if you stump my nephew, you'll get uh, tickets to gun prom. So without further ado, Sam, you there? Yeah, how are you guys? Fantastic. How was the air show? Oh, it was great, as always. Did you go to Oshkosh? I did. Oh, my gosh. That is on my bucket list. Was it as awesome as it I've ever seen? Every bit. What was the highlight? Airplanes. Um, <laughs> there was uh, there was an aerial demonstration by an F twenty two, and that was great. That um, really some some fantastic flying, and it's an extremely capable machine. What what now? What is the what's one of the big uh, what's one of the big developments that an F twenty two has? What what separates it from other aircraft? Well, everyone knows about the uh, extremely small radar cross-section, but uh, it also has thrust vectoring on both the engines, so it can perform uh, certain maneuvers that, that most other combat aircraft are, are just cannot do. There you go. All right. On the subject of aircraft, Bert from Ocean Beach sends in an aircraft firearms uh, question. His question is, why does the A-10 not eject its shells as it shoots? Bert from Ocean Beach, was that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think most beaches are on the ocean, aren't they? No. <laughs> not this one. Some are on lakes. They are okay. <laughs> Bert from Ocean Beach, why does the A-10 not eject its spent shells when it shoots? Um, I have not run across this little, uh, fact before, so I'm going to take a shot in the dark if you'll pardon the pun. Um, I am going to guess that it, um, has to do with the risk of the spent casings being sucked up by the jet engines on the rear. They have very large intakes, but, uh, it, I don't know, it might have something to do with center of gravity, but I'm going with the engine thing. Okay, I'm going home. So it was, uh, it was. Uh, I think it's actually an interesting question. I never even noticed. I mean, I've been watching A10 footage for decades, and it's so impressive. You know, those rounds are so big, and that gun's the size of a Volkswagen. It's enormous, mm-hmm. and I never noticed that the the uh, the spent shells weren't weren't uh, being ejected. Now, where those, do they go? Well, the spent and those spent shells are huge. They're yeah. huge. Like what's well, if you had to estimate, Sam, a, 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 an empty shell from an A10 is what? Five, six inches long? Um, it, it's probably even bigger than that. I yeah. mean, it's it's a, a 30 millimeter autocannon, so each each bullet is like the size of a water bottle. So it's huge. So you would guess that much brass. I mean, each shell is probably, a, what, a pound or two? Um, I don't know. Couldn't guess. And can you guess. imagine the guy in the plane jumping and scooting to the right and the left as a shell <laughs> screaming back well, in the plane? Here, you almost got it right. Had you gone with your your second, second right. you know, you would have gotten it uh, right. But here's the answer: ejecting shells from the aircraft would create an imbalance in weight distribution, potentially affecting the center of gravity. And compromising the aircraft's flight characteristics. The A-10 is specifically... Oh, I almost got it. I know. Yes. <laughs> the A-10 is spe- uh, specifically designed 
for stability and maneuverability during ground attack missions and maintaining the optimal center of gravity is crucial for its performance and safety. By not ejecting shells, the A-10 avoids introducing potential complications that could arise from altering weight distribution in flight. Instead, spent shells are retained within the aircraft structure until they can be safely removed during the maintenance operations on the ground. So you can see these shells banging away inside this plane. Isn't that amazing? And there's some guy back there trying to get out of its way. <laughs> I wonder, it must and be. how fast do they fire? They must be connected. Like a million a second. It's, <laughs> do you know the rate of fire on the uh, A-10s? It's got to be. Enormous gun, Sam? It's, it's a few thousand rounds per minute. It's like, I guess they say four to 6,000 rounds per minute. Yeah. Okay, we have to dig deeper into this. Well, I wouldn't, I, my guess is that uh, it's they're connected, like they're chained together. So they're not just hanging all over the place. 3,900 rounds per minute. 3,900 rounds per minute. Mm-hmm. My guess is that it's like a it's like a chain. What, what am I trying to say, Sam? Like an M60? A belt. Yeah, like a belt. Do you think that would be the case, Sam? Um, well, I know the ammunition comes on belts, but I don't know if they are disintegrating belts or yeah. if uh, they just hold the spent casings like that. I couldn't tell you. There you go. We're gonna have to find somebody that knows. The old the old fifty cows had uh, they were on belts and the, like the, an old like the, a P forty yeah, or P fifty one. Shells the shells they were gone. They must have been right. They expended the shells. They did. Yeah, I know they did. I'm gonna ask uh, Sam. Alstel, Sam. I'm gonna ask Alstel. Why would he know? He's into aviation. Oh, all like right. Crazy. All right. Well, all right we'll go. find out. All right. Well, awesome. Uh, you, you got half right. <laughs> that's funny that you. That's it's. I mean, but your second guess was actually uh, something in the dark and totally yeah. awesome. it Usually, it's home. your first guess is always correct, but this one you got it. With <clears throat> so tell us about your latest blog. My most recent blog post is about uh, a topic I know I and a lot of other people enjoy complaining about. Um, journalism, the news media. Uh, I talk about, um, I, I don't really have a punchline in it, but uh, all I'm, I'm doing in this blog post is highlighting uh, this problem that has existed for a long time. And that is that a lot of journalists really don't know very much about the topics they cover. Um, and we, we really, uh, uh, a lot of the, the public who consumes their work doesn't really realize that. And um, I, I make light of the fact that in when covering firearm-related topics, that is uh, especially noticeable uh, for those of us who are in the know. And the, the deck is kind of stacked against gun owners in that respect because um, statistically they – journalists are um they tend to come from groups that do not really own firearms and do not really have a lot of contact with They're firearms. Anti-gun. all the coverage almost all the coverage is negative yeah did you see your uncle was quoted in the wall street journal um i did see that the page wouldn't load on my phone though so i haven't read it so yeah wall street journal uh, contacted me and uh produced a, an okay article then the union tribune um, also contacted me and produced a horrible article. Don't worry, Sam. You'll get a framed copy for Christmas. <laughs> but uh, you're right. I mean, even – and it's so nuanced, and they're just trying – I honestly – I don't think you, – you tell me what you believe. I think it's – it's. I've seen far more uh, incompetence than malfeasance. Yeah, I, I think it is really incompetence. Um, it's just, you know, if you don't have contact with, with a, a per- particular thing, a, a particular topic, 
um, then you 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 don't understand it, even though uh, journalists do have, I think, a, a professional responsibility to understand that. And it's it's funny, um, just just briefly, uh, in the time in between that blog post went up and now um, it started the the a new story started making the rounds in the I guess gun news sphere that um, the trace, which is a supposedly impartial um, publication by Bloomberg uh, covering gun news um, or, or guns in the news, has the same founder and was established with the same business phone number as every town, which, as we <laughs> all know, is an, uh, a, a gun control lobbying organization. So there you go. They were outed as uh, not as impartial as they claim. What a bunch of jerks. Awesome job, Sam. Totally. Appreciate you very much. Um, uh, those listening, look for your emails. Uh, we'll, we'll send out the Wall Street Journal article. We'll send out the Union Tribune. Or you can check it out on, on our social media for San Diego County Gun Owners, Orange County Gun Owners, Inland Empire Gun Owners. Uh, I'm actually meeting with uh, 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 with the uh, reporter one more time. I was very impressed with the guy. He actually does want to get the story right. Um, and uh, he did, did a fairly good job. So um, awesome job, Sam. Thank you so much. Well, as always, thanks very much for having me on, and uh, good night, everyone. Hold on a second. The AA-9E E6 gun system doesn't eject spent casings from the aircraft. Instead, they cycle back into the drum magazine, and later the ground crew unloads them. This eliminates the danger of spent casings being sucked into the engine intake or damaging the aircraft, and that's on the A-10 Warthog. Well, it's actually that last part is what you said. Uh, that was your initial. Was we'll, we'll call it a draw. I was half right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. All right, folks. Hey, you need to subscribe to our show. Give us a five-star review. You can find us Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify. And please support all our great sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, Orange County Gun Owners, and Lynn Empire Gun Owners, the Dillon Law Group, Sage Street, San Diego Flight Training, and our new sponsor, Gold Co. Big Shout out to Alicia, Michael, Sam, the gunman, Matthew, and our wild father-to-be, Brendan Thomas. Be diggity. Ah, ah, don't go anywhere. Mr. Siegel is in the house. The answer.